in Ecclesiastes 3, and we are in the middle of verse 4. You know, I could say we're picking up where we left off in two different kind of ways. We left off in the beginning of verse 4. We are picking up in the end of verse 4. But in another way, we're leaving one contrast and going to another, but they are very similar. And in their similarity, I can say we're picking up where we left off. We go from a time to weep and a time to laugh to a time to mourn and a time to dance. It was... I I just don't need to try to stretch something out longer than it needs to go, but it was just hard to leave that time of weeping and a time of laughing in our lives. You just stop and look at that, and and it speaks so much to us. But we also see here a time to mourn and a time to dance. You might say that these two are the same, but this is the Word of God, and God hasn't just almost repeated Himself for no reason. There's a reason for every word in the Bible. And so as we go from a time to weep and a time to laugh to a time to mourn and a time to dance, it's for a reason. One thing we might consider is the more fervent expression of sorrow or the more fervent expression of joy that we find here. There's a deeper hurt in the sorrow that, that you would think of when it, when it comes to this expression, when we go from weeping to not just a, a cry, to mourning. You think about the mourning that took place in the Old Testament and it involved wearing sackcloth, it involved the beating of the chest, or the shaving of the head. You know, some things cause us to weep and wail, but some things are so initially overbearing and overwhelming in our lives that that's, it's expressed by uh, more desperate actions that, that come out from us. You know, we may reflect ourselves on some times of mourning. We don't put on the sackcloth today. We don't shave our head today for that reason. But we have had experiences that have brought us to a place of of mourning. Uh, Our suffering has been very hurtful, and and we have expressed that in outward ways. You know, it it was so painful, it, it wouldn't just stay internalized. It had to come out. And, and you might think about these events. You might think about the effect on us. And then we find from God that there is a time for these things. But as, but as we would think about those things that we've already covered, that God either sends or He allows for whatever reason, it's a special season, it's a special time, and you might think about a time of mourning, but think about the time after the mourning that we might go through. How about occasions after that, which take us from a devastating place 
to a place of delight. There, there's a time of mourning, and, and then there could be a season before, but also after and later of a time to dance to the, to the extent of joy that the condition was elevated from laughter to bodily expression. A time of your hands in the air. Your hands clapping. A time of jumping for, for joy. A time of joy that God gives us in our lives. And, and we make it through that time of mourning. And God takes us from devastation to delight. A time to dance. When I say a time to dance, I'm not talking about our bodies moving to the rhythm of some music as, as the world would for entertainment. There are some religious groups who believe that's exactly what it's saying and they even incorporate that in their religious activities. But this is an emotional expression and it do doesn't come from the beat of music. It comes from joy in our hearts. Joy that has been given by the Lord. We can give glory to God that beyond our deepest hurts, our time of mourning, there is a healing that God gives. There, there is rescue that God gives us from those times. And we are raised to great happiness of the such that, that it is expressed in an excitable outward way. People have feared that they would never be the same, that they, would, that they would never bounce back, if you will, from a tragedy in their lives. Or people have said, if this ever happened to me, I would be done and that's it. There, there is definitely a time to mourn, but it's not the end. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. And this calls for praise to be given to God. He gives victory over pain and loss. Something that just came to my mind today after having looked at this for a while now, considering we had vacation Bible school last week. The 40th Psalm David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and He heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. There is a time to mourn, but there is a time to dance. And, and God gives us that, and, and we need to give Him praise for that. He even uses things in our time of mourning and, and causes that to end up being a time to dance, a time to weep, and, and a time to laugh. 
He uses those things in our lives. In, in 2 Corinthians 4, it, it speaks of our light afflictions, which are but for a moment. And they worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So, so he's doing things that are going to take place in heaven that are going to be praised to him. And he's even showing us some things now. Even as a result of maybe the event of whatever it was of our mourning. And, and he's giving us joy in our hearts and, and a time a time to dance. No matter what we go through, may we know that they are anointed, appointed times from God. Look with me in verse 5. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. You see something negative here and you see something positive here. When you go to till the field, to cultivate the field for, for the season and, and to plant, a stone is a headache. A rock is a, is a headache and you're looking to throw those out of the way. But then there's the occasion of, I recall going to the mountains in Arkansas and on my way up to the mountains with that stream running, running through the mountains, I couldn't wait to get there. I had heard about it. On the way, I saw all of these houses, and they didn't have these rectangle man-made bricks. They were natural stones. Just about every house down a road I went to get to the mountains, there were these natural stones. And then all of a sudden in the mountains, I see these stones everywhere. And they, they use them to build. They use them to build the dwelling that they live in. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. It, it's something to get rid of sometimes. It's something that's a headache, but then it's something that's good. It, they can be used for bad and good. If you didn't like your, your farmer neighbor, you could go throw stones in his field and cause just the bis, biggest headache for him possible. Not that you'd want to do that. If somebody did that to you, that's, that's not what we would want to do in return. It wasn't right to take them back to their field and dump them if they dumped them in your field. You know, there, there are seasons of gain and there are seasons of loss, but, but there's never a season for revenge. Um, things can be used for good and for bad, though. You know, stones and rocks can break and, and stones and rocks can build. But there are times to cast them away and there are times to gather them together. They have different use in different seasons. And, and as much as we might stop and think about how God would, would, would stop and, and, and give us something to think about with, with the casting away of stones and gathering together of stones and the, the use of stones, we, we know that there's a use for us that God has and, and different seasons that He uses us in for different things. Continuing in verse 5, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. You know, there's a, there's a certain modesty that ought to take place in relationships. So uh, I'll just say in this that this, this depends on age. Never forget J. Vernon McGee talking 
you call the, the apparatus thingamajig that, that men used to wear under their, their britches, and it, it held their socks up. And J. Vernon McGee talked about walking down the road with a girl, to, and they were going to get some ice cream or something, and that little clip on his sock fell, and his sock fell down, and he was so embarrassed and frazzled and didn't know what to do about pulling his sock up while he was walking with this girl. There, there's not as much blushing anymore as there used to be, and, and there, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. So when I say a time to embrace and to refrain from embracing, well, when, when we think about modesty, this would depend on age. This depends on relationships to a person. If, if we have a spouse, we, I think we ought to embrace them uh, tightly every day. That's, if, if we're not doing it, we should do that. But in certain work relationships, in the, in the job place, there may never be any kind of embracing of that uh, of in any way whatsoever. You know, an embrace sends a message. There's a certain way to embrace as well as there's a certain time to embrace, and it depends on who it is. But, but in thinking about embracing and a, and a time to embrace, I, I didn't see this much in any commentaries that I sometimes look at. I didn't see anybody talking about it. But I think about how much a touch means to a person. You know, words are great, but... But that touch, I think about the last few years when there have been all of these rules and regulations in the hospital. And sometimes you couldn't even get in so that your presence could be there by someone laying ill and concerned and fretful maybe in the hospital. And if you could get in, you weren't allowed to touch them. You know, sometimes it's just the touch on the shoulder or the slightest hug that helps somebody. There, there is a time to embrace, and it's, it's, a, it's a very special time when, when someone needs to be comforted. Just a touch can bring an amazing level of comfort in a moment that, that nothing else can. That was, that was a difficult time when, when there were so many restrictions in the hospital because it was, a time, it was a time to embrace, but it wasn't allowed. Let, let us remember those times when, when others need the touch. They need the, the lightest, slightest arm around them in, in a little bit of a hug in their time of, of discouragement, a time to embrace and then there are those times to refrain from embracing. Let's go ahead and go to verse 6. A time to get and a time to lose. You think about business when you think about this. You know, man under the sun and, and everyday life. And, and you might think some of these things are just very light and there's not much spiritual to them, but... But think about the way business affects people. And, and there is a, there's, a, there's a time to get and a time to lose. You know, I think I've, I've told businessmen in this church that that, I, that must be a gift from God to you, that you would deal with the weight 
and the pressure of owning and having your own business. That, that's not me at all. You know, to start your own business, you have to lose to get started. You know, you, the building, the land, or if it requires that, what are the advertising, you have to start out in the negative. And, and if it's a million dollars, once you make a million dollars, you're, you're only getting started. You've broken even. You have to lose to, to get. When I used to work in the retail business, there were some items that I thought it was a mistake at first. We, we were selling items for less than our cost. And I said, what's this all about? And they said, oh, those are our lost leaders. We're willing to lose money on these items to get people in the store hoping that they'll spend money on the things we can make a lot of money on. There's a time to get and a, and a time to lose. And so you can think about that from a business aspect. But as far as getting and losing things, you know, we don't, we don't keep most things which are in our possession. Even if, even if we aim to, there's something, it's a material thing, but it means something to us. And, and we, we may plan on always keeping it, but that don't mean we're going to. Think about, think about what a good help that is, that our focus might be in the right place on the Lord. A time to get and a time to lose. We're not guaranteed that things will always be there that we want. We lose some things, but, but not the Lord who will never leave us nor forsake us. It kind of puts things into perspective as to who and what is to have first place in our lives. The Lord. What a good help that is that we wouldn't put things placed in our lives where they shouldn't be. Because there's no guarantee we'll keep things of this world, but there is a guarantee that we have in the Lord. A time to get and a time to lose. Paul experienced that. Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. These are different seasons in our lives. And, and we might think, well... We really need to be prepared for a time to be a base. We really need to be prepared for a time to lose. That's, that's a good thing. But, but a time to get, or, or a time that we abound, as Paul would say, to, I'm just ready for that. Well, well, are we really ready for that? If we abounded in different ways, praise the Lord. But does all praise continue to go to the Lord? And does the Lord continue to have that place in our lives? So, so we're told... And it's just as important to be prepared for one of these as it is for the other. A time to get and a time to lose. Both of these occasions are unexpected, but God in His Word has let us know that both of these occasions are going to come at different times and at different amounts in our lives. The end of verse 6. Sounds very similar, a time to keep and a time to cast away. One man summed this verse up, this portion of this verse up is saying it's okay to have a garage sale. Well, again, we can consider the coming and going of things in this world, but how about the everlasting salvation 
of our Lord Jesus Christ that, that we have in Him. The greatest thing to have. You know, we, we, we keep material things and we think they're going to, we're going to use them again in the future. You know, we, we keep them. To keep something doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be using it right then, but you're, but you're keeping it thinking of a day that you will. When, when Ron Farr, who's in glory now, needed some help cleaning out his, his house and his garage, he, he gave different people things, and, and I took some ice chests home. I didn't need an ice chest, but I just thought there might come a day when, when I needed several ice chests for some reason. I, I cleaned them up, and I kept them a while. I never even needed the one that I owned already that was new, and, and so it wasn't a time to keep them anymore. It was, I, just, I just cast them away and I gave them to, to someone else. After keeping some things for, for the longest time, we just end up giving them away or throwing them away and not using them. I'm not saying that we're in touch with all of these seasons and, and led properly. Not too long ago, I needed as many tarps as I can get, those blue plastic tarps. I, I needed a lot of them. And I pictured a, a plastic container I had with about 15 of them in it. And I looked in my garage attic. I looked in my garage. I looked in my shed. I looked everywhere. And I couldn't find them anywhere. You know what? I, I got rid of them. <laughs> thinking I, I didn't keep them any longer. Thinking I wouldn't use them. And I needed them. There's a time to keep and a, and a time to cast away. Uh, how about a financial aspect to this verse? Because it is very good to give. My, my mother-in-law, who's in, in, in glory now, she was such a giver. Talk about giving with simplicity. When she gave somebody something, they didn't feel like they owed her in any way. She, and she didn't go out of her way to try to make them feel that way. That was just her. It's good to give, but a time to keep and a time to cast away. There, there's nothing wrong with saving some money also. It's a responsible thing to do. There are unexpected burdens that come up in life, an unexpected debt that comes up in life, and, and, and they're unforeseen, and they're always surprising people. So there's nothing wrong with, with keeping, with, with saving as, as well while you're giving. It's a responsible thing to do. Verse 7, a time to rend and a time to sow. I mentioned sackcloth earlier in, in mourning, and the, mourn, the mourner would just, just rip that sackcloth in half off their chest when they would beat the chest. And, and so there, there are those times of, of, of rending and, and say those things of that nature. If, we, if we're looking at that, then a time to sow, we might consider a time of healing, a time of restoration. You know, as we look at these contrasts, we see so many of them in a pattern of the ups and downs of life and dealing with them and expecting them. I, I, I love the opportunity for us to be spiritually proactive for, for all that's coming our way. When we hear this, it, it gives me such a great burden for those who were 
under a, a prosperity type of preaching who cannot be prepared for these things. But these are things that come in life, a time to rend and a time to sow. There's healing, there's restoring, but there's also a time to rend. And, and a, a time to rend can, you can place that in the idea of, of people and our relationships with people. The Bible says in Corinthians, evil communications corrupt good manners. So it might break your heart, and as, as much as you love someone, there, there is a time for rending in that way, in hopes of, of a good, better relationship being sewn back together, though. The second part of verse 7, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. If we got alone with our Bibles, with just that portion of that verse, and just sat and thought about it, that, that helps a whole lot in life. The Bible speaks of the tongue, the, the good and the evil that it can do, and, and how quick a word comes out, how, how on impulse we say something, and, and we can't get those words back. This is such an important one. They're all important, but a time to keep silence and a time to speak. We could talk about this for weeks. Many people think saying nothing accomplishes nothing. Many people think saying nothing has no effect, but silence can be very powerful. A lot of words is out of control. The ability to say no words, that's, that's self-control. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit helps us with through temperance. You know, you, you think of words, a, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. So, so think about a time of conflict with me for a minute. We, we know that the Bible says that only by pride cometh contention. And pride has a sound, and it comes out in words, and it comes out in, in the tone of words. The pride is heard. Words motivated by pride adds fuel to the fire of conflict. You know, there's a temptation to be the loudest one, and there's a temptation to be the meanest one with words. To win, the, to win the issue. But, but the one who helps the issue to, to be a winner on both sides is the one who can keep silent. The fire goes out for lack of fuel. Think about that in a, in a time to keep silence as well as everything else we might think of. You know, in conflict and all the words, a word twister cannot twist your words if there are no words. And if there's no reason for words, that's a, that's a good time to keep silent. There's a, there's a time to keep silence not only because of, of what someone might do with your words, but sometimes silence will do more in a good way than, than words can. We spoke earlier 
uh, about a time to embrace, and we, we thought about the importance and the comfort of a touch. Uh, a hug on the side of the shoulder, that touch that someone needs. Well, sometimes it's just silence instead of words. You know, that's, that's something that a lot of us have to learn over a period of time because, because some of us are fixers. Somebody's burdened, somebody's sad, something's wrong. We want to say something. We want to say the right words. We want to stumble across that golden nugget of, of something that encourages, and we want to say it. Sometimes silence does more for someone than words will. There was a young lady in a church, and, and there was this, this man. He was, a, he was a deacon and an usher in the church. They were, they were both quiet. They were both kind of introverts. And so uh, them and their spouses, they never necessarily really socialized a lot with one another. But when the young lady went through something very devastating in her life, the, this deacon, he went and he sat in the waiting room at the hospital. And he just sat there for about 11 hours. He hardly said a word. And the young lady, years that deacon every now and then, and how he was there so long. It, it didn't take words. He didn't, he didn't say words at all. Sometimes just to silently be there by someone's side is the best way to say I care. It says it better than any words can. When we believe and experience the positive effects of silence, we're, we're not going to be anxious with our words. To be quick with words is... You know, we're to be slow to speak, the Bible says. Quick with words can, even when we're trying to do good with them, we, we can end up messing up with them. The tongue is a member of the body to be very, very careful with. It can be used for evil, it can be used for good. When emotions are out of control, words will fly out of control if they come out of the mouth and they're not going to be what we should say, no matter how much damage or lack thereof is, is done by them. Someone whose spouse passes away after 40, 50, 60 years, what, what words do you really have in a time? If they're not asking any questions, I wouldn't be trying to give any answers. I'd just love them. And, and be there by their side. A time to speak. It's something to be very wise about and very selective with our words about. You know, wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to life. And, and a good prayer and a good practice and a good preparation for us is to become wise with our words. Great wisdom is shown by knowing when to speak. When not to speak is in a time of great sorrow or a time of heated conflict. What to speak is important too. And it ought to be well thought. Since we're not in a hurry to speak, 
we can be well thought out and well prayed up in the words that we're going to use. Words give comfort. Words give instruction. The Bible requires words of rebuke even. And we need to be wise in those things and prepared. We need to make our words ready, not spit them out raw. Our responsibility with the tongue is an extremely important one. Another one I have a hard time leaving, but let's move on. A time to love and a time to hate. We recently shared the 139th Psalm, and I really appreciated the sincere questions and burden someone had for a few of these verses that we shared. And we find them in Psalms 139, verses 19 through 22. We, we shared, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. And so there was the burden that maybe that was a confession of their wrong. But when you, when you look up that in, in, the, in the Hebrew language, you find the, the hatred not made personal toward a person, but the hatred is a disgust and it's toward the action. It's toward the wickedness in their life. It's toward the conduct. Jesus made it clear that hatred toward a person is never acceptable. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. In the 119th Psalm and the 128th verse, the psalmist says, And I hate every false way. You see where the hatred is directed. With love, that, that's, the, that's the sign that's going to show we're a disciple. With love is going to flow sympathy. With love, there's going to be thankfulness coupled with it. With love, there's going to be natural affection. You know, and, and in thinking these, we're trying to wrap this up, but in thinking of these different seasons for these different things, think about it with love. It's, it's always a time to love. Love is always in season. There's never a time that love is not in season. We're to love uh, always, all the time, but we don't love everything. We don't love sin. If we hate sin while we love people, we're going to be able to be used by God to be more effective in their lives to help them. Not just to love people, but the hatred that we're to have is for sin. And if that is missing, 
there's going to be a lack of a spiritual assistance that's going to be able to be given to the one we love. There's a time, there's a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. There's so many people, and they, in years past, before all this phone stuff, and everybody in the peanut gallery has a voice, but used to, you tried to get on TV, a celebrity, and they took every opportunity they had to talk about all of the things and all of their wisdom that would help this world. And for some, it was no war. If they couldn't talk about it, they would wear a big blingy shirt that would say, cease all war. Well, there's a problem with that. It sounds good, but there's a problem with that when, it, when God has said there is a time of war. It's not fun, it's not desired, but sometimes it is necessary. And God appoints it. But praise the Lord, He also gives peace. The same God who says there is a time of war, He also says there is a time of peace. He is peace. His Son is the Prince of Peace. When our mind is focused on the Lord, we have peace. Somebody asked me what my favorite verse was the other day. I don't have one. I have about half a dozen at least. But what came out of my mouth was Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Looking to Jesus in our time of a lack of peace. And He gives us peace. There is a time of peace. And, and He's the one who gives peace. What might be the greatest portion of Scripture for us to be affected about concerning the peace of God. Good, good place to close. Psalms 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. There's a, there's a time of peace, and, and isn't it wonderful to think about who our God is and that, and that there is peace forever that we know that we have in Him. Peace with, there's going to be a time of peace and eternity for us that is going to be perfect, and it will never end. Amen? Let's go ahead and uh, close on that tonight. I, I do want to say that I noticed in the bulletin that Reunion Court has been added to the bulletin, and there was an attendance of about 15 at, at least this past Tuesday morning, so we appreciate your presence.